0: Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. Okay, so today we're gonna be talking about the creative career path. So a few years ago, I came out with this little handbook called the creative career path. We did a Kickstarter to raise funds to print it. We asked for something like 3,500 bucks and we ended up raising over $30,000, almost 10 times the budget. So the first reason I wanted to do an episode about the creative career path again is because I want your help. I'm going to be posting on Instagram my regular episode post for this week, but I would love if you have thoughts about this episode and ideas to that you would comment on that post. And uh, so you can find that at Andy J Pizza when this episode's live. I would love to hear any thoughts, feelings, things that really help you with this process, words that stick out that you really like, or or, uh, suggestions, whatever. So that's part of what's going on here, but it's not just a review. This episode is one that I've wanted to record for a long time, and the reason is... I use this process on myself all the freaking time, man. I use it to get unstuck. I mainly use this process because it helps me to determine where I should be spending my creative energies right now. Here's the thing. Most people I know, they can they have around, you know, 5 to 15 hours a week, 5 to 15 hours a week of pure creative time where they get to be making stuff. And if they have, let's say, 10 hours a week, they spend nine of those hours thinking about what should I make and then one of those hours making something, all the while distracted by the FOMO of, is this what I should be making? And therefore, they waste all of their creative time not really knowing where they should be, not feeling confident that they're spending the time right, And on the right stuff. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who you are and what point you are in your career, you're always going to be planting seeds for the next projects, for the next intentions, for the next goals. You know, I've been reading Jim Henson's biography. That's a new thread on this show where I say that every week, and I still haven't finished. I've been slowly savoring Jim Henson's biography. Um, I'm over halfway. But, you know, one thing that's interesting is, you know, he's always working. He's working on The Muppet Show, but he's planting seeds for... The Muppet Movie, and while he's making the Muppet Movie, he's planting seeds for Dark Crystal, and that's the way it always is. It doesn't matter if you have your dream job. It doesn't matter if you work for yourself. It doesn't matter where you are. You know, you have your primary stuff that's paying the bills, and then you have the seeds that you're planting for the next big thing. And those seeds are best planted not by just running around and pitching everybody, but just picking yourself. Giving yourself permission by making a personal project, by making personal work. What personal work should you be working on right now? What should be your next personal project? Where are you going to spend those creative energies? My seven step creative process, my seven step creative life cycle, if you will, will help you determine what your next personal project should be what you should be spending that time and energy on now and the reason this is so important is because you need that yes energy i have this theory that your life everybody approaches life on a daily basis with kind of three fundamental energies so you've got the yes energy the no energy and the maybe energy Uh, and, And what you want is to spend as much time in the yes energy as possible. There's this yes posture to everything that's coming at you, good, bad, and different. Are you framing it in such a way where you're engaging with it actively? There's this position towards life. Like, should we be here? Is it worth it? Is it meaningful? Is it purposeful? Does it matter? Am I cut out to rise to the occasion of the challenges that are coming my way? And I think we all know the days that we wake up and we're in the no energy, where we're just like, nope, laying face down on the living room floor, right? The maybe energy is almost just as detrimental as the no energy i think about it like life and time is like this flowing river and if you have the yes energy you're going to build windmills on that river you're going to you know send trade goods up and down the river you're going to travel on it you're going to chart paths you're going to use the fresh water but if you have the no energy you're like no quit moving and you try to stop the river and you put the river in a bucket and you say i've got this river but that ri- that river water is going to fester over time you can't you, you can't let you can't have that water stagnate and the maybe energy is just floating down the river and and i think you know the yes no maybe energy it's all stuff that we all need to spend time in those places it's natural In life to have those different moments, but if you spend too much time in the maybe energy where you're just coasting and you're indecisive, you know, I've noticed for about a year I was in that zone of uh, maybe energy and, and I noticed it because I can't even, I couldn't even decide what to eat for dinner on any given day because I'm just so indecisive and you coast like that long enough every one of those rivers is going to take you to the open waters of maybe ocean and you're going to get stranded out there on your little raft without wilson with only salt water to drink it's not quenching your thirst and it's just not how we were meant to live is anybody tracking with that So my process has helped me get back into the yes energy and then some particular ideas about the early stages because I feel like I'm back at stage one. Uh, We're going to get to in a bit that really helped light my yes energy on fire and I want to do that the same for you so that you know how to be spending your creative energies today. I want you to memorize if you are a creative pepperoni aka a super fan or, or you know you're all in with creative pep talk you've been on the journey it helps you every week you're you're my people i'm your people if that's you a true fan of this podcast i want you to memorize these seven steps we've explored them from a bunch of different angles we have called it the creative career path or the creative career path handbook but If you are a true fan of the podcast and you're all in and you love these theories and they've helped you a lot, I want to challenge you. I'm hoping, I'm trying to get us to a place where this framework, this seven-step process that we've called the Creative Career Path – that you would memorize it. Because for me personally, the only way that it's really helped me is I've internalized it and I can reference it in my mind at any given time so that I can reframe, recenter, and get back into my focus of what I'm doing in this creative season. And the only way you do that is if these become second nature. So I wanted to do an episode where we've done a bunch of episodes where we've highlighted one of the seven steps or three of the seven steps, but we haven't done one where we just go through kind of quickly through all of them so that you can get a real cl- clear sense, a big uh, eagle's eye view of the process so that you can start to internalize that. Because what I want you to see is when I interviewed Abby Jacobson last week, I used the seven steps. Every question was rooted in the the story arc of that interview followed the seven steps verbatim. And I do that really often. And if you're a true fan and you're, and you're really doing the work from this podcast, I want you to be able to recognize that I'm hoping already we've put in enough time and energy into this thing that some of you, the diehard, uh, pep talk fans, um, have noticed, oh, he's going through the process with her. And the reason I had Abby on the show, the reason I've wanted her on the show for a long time is because Broad City, the web series that turned into the TV show, is such a perfect example of a personal project that followed this creative career path. Where It's an example of where I learned these things. You know, these this seven-step process isn't a thing that I just cooked up overnight. It's a thing that I noticed from studying my creative heroes that didn't wait to be picked, that didn't wait for someone to give them the opportunity that they may their own opportunities based on knowing themselves knowing what they want and then building a project to get that thing so that's why I had Abby on the show and it's why the people that I pick are almost always through the lens of they are living embodiments and examples of the creative career path let's get into the seven steps at an eagle eyes view The first one I'm going to spend a little bit more time on because some ideas there really switched on my creative energy recently when I've been feeling kind of in the maybe energy and it really helped me. So I've got some ideas there. Hopefully that'll soup your engine up. You'll be cooking with the creative energy engines. Okay, so we're gonna do a little overview of all of the seven steps of the creative career path so that you can get an eagle-eyes view, so you can memorize and internalize these ideas because they will help you stay centered as a creative and know how to spend your creative energies on a regular basis, ultimately. This life cycle of these seven steps, these seven phases are something you're going to repeat over and over with every single project that you spearhead on your own, that you do as a personal project without being given permission. And actually, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how many opportunities you have, I believe as a creative person, it's your job to chart your path to, to figure out who you are, what you want and what you're going to build to help show the world what that is. And, uh, that means that even if you're, you know, often what happens as you make a creative project and it leads to opportunities and, you go from making your own waves to kind of going with the flow for a while but at some point you're going to find yourself floating on that maybe energy river where you're just coasting along and it's not feeling good anymore it's not exciting anymore and the opportunities aren't what you want anymore and at that point you got to make waves again and that's then it's time to give yourself permission pick yourself Get back into who you are, what you want, and build something that pushes you into the next season that you want to be. And that's what this is all about. So what I want you to do as we go through here, uh, like I said, the first step, I want to spend a little extra time there because I found some serious mental clarity and tons of yes energy for my creative career path again by some new insights on step one. But ultimately I want to go through this in a big picture overview and I want you to just put your mall map sticker, your, you are here, mall map sticker on one through seven, which of these phases, cause they're not just, th- this seven steps are not things you do in a, in a day. These are a life cycle. This is a seasonal thing. It's a, you know, something you might do over six months to two years, maybe five years even really, if you're, uh, you know, once you're getting in those big projects later in your career, um, but I want you to figure out where is the mall map you are here sticker. That will help center you. It'll help you know what kind of creative energy that you need to be spending today. And also, I'd encourage you, all of these that you know, the on step five, we're getting to the project, we're actually building a, bo- a larger body of work that's a personal project or a passion project or a side quest, as we've called it before, and um, And that's obviously creative work, but I would encourage you, wherever you are putting that mall map sticker, wherever you find yourself, whichever one through seven step that you're on, that you're stuck in today and whatever season that is, uh, don't work these things out in your head. Work them out in the work. Work it out by writing, by making, by making pieces that are not answers, but asking questions. If you don't know your creative field, your genre, your voice, your intention, your project, your backdoor, your reinvention, uh, don't just... Think about it. Make stuff as questions, as hypotheses to be worked out in real time, writing on stage in front of people, putting it out in the world. It's so much easier to to move through these parts of the life cycle, uh, not in your head, but in your hands, making stuff. So that's what I encourage you to do. Let's do it. Let's go through one through seven. Number one, number one, the first thing you've got to do in the book, I call it picking your industry, but over time, because I've, and this is partially writing on stage, I'm letting you guys into the process, I want to share with you my thinking. As I go to take this from the Kickstarter handbook to a published book, I want to change the language a little bit because originally I had it industry, market, niche, goal, project, marketing, uh, pivoting. All those words are business words and there's nothing wrong with those words. But I believe that this work is more spiritual than that. It's more foundational to your humanity than that. And it's deeper than that. I don't want to respect that and not use words that are kind of a little bit crass. Um, And so in the book, I call it Industry. For the purposes of this, just know that I'm going to be translating some of those words. They're the same uh, points that are in the Creative Career Path handbook that's available uh, online right now. But we're going to use a little bit of new words, new language for that stuff that gets to the, uh, the deeper creative essence of this stuff. So number one, choose your creative field. Uh, and really this is about saying yes, a commitment to a journey dedicated to a particular direction. Most of you have a sense of your creative field most likely. You might be straddling one or two, but I would encourage you for a season of time to really say yes as a commitment to one particular creative field. And when I say a creative field, I mean the big, broad, different fields in creativity. So music, writing, film, illustration, design, like the big picture, big fields. And I want you to say yes. And I want to spend a little time on this saying yes thing. There's something energetically that happens when you switch from, I don't know, I kind of, I could be into music. I could do writing. I could be, I'd like to be, get into film. But when you say yes to the call, when you, you know, Joseph Campbell says his quote is the real question is, are you going to be able to say a big hearty yes to your adventure? There's this thing of saying yes, admitting that you want something. It changes the universe around you. It changes how you approach it. It, cha- it changes your uh, the, the, way, the energy that you bring to it when you commit by saying yes. Like I am, I, you can't possibly know if it's gonna work out, but you won't ever know if you don't cross it off the list. And so what are you saying yes to? A few years ago, I said yes to the podcast and no to making kids' books. And that was the seeds that I was planting. Now that the podcast is up and running and it's harvesting, I'm saying yes to planting seeds in the kids' book world and and into a few other worlds, actually, um, at this stage in my career. But... What is, for the purposes of this project that you're going to build, where you're going to spend the majority of your creative energies in the planting over the next six months, what creative field are you going to say yes to? This is the thing that really was a game changer. It's a thing we've talked about on the show, but I was reminded of it recently, and it really sorted me out, and it's the idea of the one thing. It's the book from Gary Keller and Jay Papasan, and the central idea of that book uh, and this is your centering question. It can help you wherever you're at to help you figure out what should I be giving my creative energies to today? And it's this. What is the one thing you could do that if you did it, everything else you want to achieve would either be achieved by proxy, by uh, by a domino effect, or easier to achieve? What domino could you knock over next that would start a chain reaction, and for me, this is so helpful in terms of goal setting because I have a bunch of goals: I have podcast goals, kids' book goals, uh, entertainment goals, uh, public speaking goals. I have all these different goals, and when I'm when my subconscious and my conscious mind aren't unified for one goal, there's this. I get into that maybe energy. I get into that indecisive place and I'm uncentered and I'm running with a, like a chicken with its head cut off in a million different directions. And although I need all those goals, when I can center myself on which of these goals is the domino, like maybe it's getting this public speaking thing. Maybe it's this, uh, this negotiating this deal. Maybe it's, um, you know, working with this client. Maybe it's having this guest on the podcast, whatever it is which of these goals right now would act as a domino that if I did it, all the other goals would be easier or achieved? If you can find that, which of these creative fields, which of these commitments could you say yes to in the next season where you're going to build work towards that thing, that if you really hit it, if you really did it in that creative field, All of the other things you want to do will be easier from that point on. You know, a few years ago, it was working with the New York Times. That was working as an illustrator with the New York Times. I knew that if I did that, I could email Seth Godin and say, hey, I'm a New York Times illustrator. And that would get his attention. That, would, that domino would hit that domino, would hit that domino. And that's something, it's an evergreen achievement. I'll have it for the rest of my life. They can't take it away, even if they wanted to. I already did. You printed my illustration, New York Times, and now I'm a New York Times illustrator. <laughs> and, uh, and that domino was the right thing to focus on. Back in the day, the first year of this podcast, first two years, my episode art looked like editorial illustration to build out that portfolio to meet that end. Okay, so what is the domino? What is the creative field that, if you focus on it now, has potential? Because the truth is, you're a creative person, you see infinite possibilities, your creativity isn't bound to one particular medium, right? You know that, but that ends up being something that puts you in analysis paralysis. It ends up being something that causes you to not know which which medium to focus on now, which medium to get up to snuff with now, which of those crafts to develop now you've got to do that it's got to be a it's not this or that it's not should you focus or should you just play the field it's field again look more metaphors on accident um it's not it's not either or it's um it's it's what do you do now so that you can do that later which domino will help you do that that's the first thing centered me the one thing i have Yes, have a million goals, have a bunch of interests, but have a, have a creativity that's not bound by a medium, but what's the one thing that by doing it now, everything else you want to do will become easier or be done? Which creative field is your best bet for that now? Second thing, all right, we're going to run through, we're going to fly through these. Um, number two is, so number one is creative field. Number two is within that field, what's your genre? So if you're an illustration, uh, and in the book we call it market, but for these purposes, we're going to call it genre because I like that word. Okay. So in music, you know what that means? And fiction writing, you know what that means? But in comedy, what it means, are you an improv? Are you a comedy actor? Are you a stand-up? What What is your genre? Where? And, and you determine this by saying, where are your people? Where are people like you? Where are people with the same sensibilities, the same skills, the same interests, the same passions, people you just want to hang out with, the people that seem cool to you, the people that get it in quotes, you know, that je ne sais quoi, the X factor, the thing it's, I can't explain it exactly, but they get it and I, I get what they get. And I want to spend time with those people. Where are those people? And I would recommend when you're thinking about genre I think it should be based on, it's not based on the heroes of yesteryear. It's so comfortable to go there. Where are the people making interesting stuff now that you want to be in the conversations with now? Where's comedy going next that's so exciting to you? Where are the fringe things, the the further you can get on the fringe uh, of where pushing the edges of your creative field, the more stuff there's going to be to harvest, the more room there's going to be to flourish. Your genre, find your people. Number three is your voice. you got to find your unique voice within that genre. If your genre was a Dungeons and Dragons party, what role are you going to play? Because we don't need 15 mages. We don't need 15 alchemists. We don't need 15 artificers. We don't need 15 knights. What is within, you look at this genre, you look at the people playing music and you say, you know, this is, I talked about this recently, this idea of like finding your people is halfway to finding yourself. And the reason is, is if you compare me to my buddy, Brad and my buddy, Kyle, they, they're both public speakers that love to tell stories. They're both lay down tragics, AKA the opposite of a stand up comic. Yeah. They're funny too, but ultimately they're going for tears and not just laughs. Uh, if you compare us to each other, just on the surface level, you see these people are virtually the same people but as soon as you stand us up in one of those you know cop lineups it's obvious these huge glaring differences in our voices i'm the only one with adhd for the first uh for first off i'm the only one that likes boys to men um (laughs) there's deeper more meaningful differences and nuances to my voice but it's so much easier when you're comparing if you're comparing uh a banana to an orange to an apple to a kiwi, the things you're going to notice about them that's different, it's all surface. It's like, well, that one's orange. The, the orange is orange. The banana's yellow, right? Like, okay, that's different, but it's not meaningful. But if you compare an apple to an apple to an apple to an apple, me and Brad and Kyle, we're all apples. You're going to see, oh, this one's crisp and tart and sweet. And this one's, ah, I got a punch at the end. And, you know, you're going to get into the nuance of what's actually unique about your voice. And they're going to help you have shorthand and shortcuts to see the actual difference, the true value of what you're bringing to the table that's needed in the world because it's not being brought yet. They're going to get you, Gandalf can get you 99% there. And then you just have to figure out that last percent, Frodo. You know what I'm saying? But if you try to go it alone, if you try not to learn from anybody else, you're going to be out in the wilderness and the weeds stuck there for maybe a lifetime and never actually get to the little plot of land, that little purpose that only you can fulfill. Your people will get you halfway there. Then it's step three. You've got to figure out what am I? How do I play my unique part? And it's and I would encourage you when you're thinking about your unique part, don't think about it like uh, these huge, giant, enormous differences. You're a human. You're just a person. You don't ha- you don't need to be uh, this singularity that's unlike anything the world's ever seen. It's the sum of the parts. It's your, it's your DNA, your influences, your experiences. It's, it's all. It's your guilty pleasures. It's all those things on on a plate together. All those ingredients combined that makes you a little bit unique compared to your people. Any one of those things you might share with another person in the party, but ultimately, you know, there's a difference between uh, a mage and a wizard, right? Like that. Yeah, they're both doing magic, but one person is doing it with a slightly different flavor because his dad was a, worked for the government. I don't know. Um, but there's, there's some difference in the nuance of the, some of the parts of your differences that create this unique singular voice. That's step three. Step four is intention. We called it goal. In the book, I'm calling it intention now. And I encourage you to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to make that intention something you can't do without somebody else saying yes. I told you you're going to give permission to yourself to make this project, but ultimately I want it to be for something that is uh, is communal. It's something that, um, you know, when I think about intention, think about it like that genre, your people, what do they see as their benchmark, if you're in stand-up comedy right now, it might be getting a Netflix special. If you were in stand-up comedy in the 90s, it might have been an HBO special. If you're a stand-up comedy or, you know, for a while it was Comedy Central special. That changes over time. They they the, they change the benchmark. The goalposts move in different places. But I suggest for someone not, and the reason I do this isn't so that you do it. You don't have to meet that benchmark for this uh, process of setting an intention to be worthwhile because the reason you need to set an intention is because it gives you that one thing clarity that says to your subconscious okay we talked about the creative field we talked about our people we talked about finding our voice that's a ton of information it's very maybe energy it's too vague it's too much it's it's too much information for your subconscious to spend to have that catalytic crystallized point on the horizon to 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 unify your conscious mind your subconscious mind to to action on a daily disciplined way. If you want that, the full power, you know, I've thought about this lately a bunch, Um, this idea of like, a lot of us think our, we're weak because we set an intention and then we self-sabotage. We, you know, we we let our addictions and vices take over. We, you know, we, we end up binging Netflix and whatever. But the truth of the matter is, that doesn't make you weak. Because if you derail yourself. It's still you who derailed. It's still you who's strong enough to defeat yourself. What you got to do is not repress that strength that derails you, but corral it. I thought about, uh, this isn't a, I don't, it might be a frozen two spoiler. Okay. (laughs) I love frozen two. Um, if, if you think this is a spoiler, just fast forward it 25 seconds. Um, but in frozen two, uh, Elsa is going against, it's very mythical. It's, I love it. It's about, it's kind of about like, um, uh, you know, self-actualization and, and it's about this taking all of this disparate parts of your shadow self and unifying them to the, to the, your full strength. And, you know, you don't, And, and so these things that are really external factors, there's these different spirits that are coming up against her and she doesn't kill them. She corrals them and she tames them. And there's the strongest part of you, that part of you, that subconscious part of you that's derailing you, that's, that's throwing you off your track. That's not allowing you to be disciplined that doesn't make you weak that's the strongest part of you that's where you're going to find your strength and the way that you're going to tame it is to give it a centralized goal that's that's both selfish and selfless that's for the good of you and the good of your people and if you can if you can crystallize that with an intention with a clear goal of I want to work with the New York Times or I want to publish a book with Chronicle Books or I want to ha- be on this Spotify playlist or I want you know something that you're intending it will summarize your creative field, your genre and your voice because working with the New York Times, it's only for a particular illustrator with a particular genre of editorial illustration with a particular voice that where your voice really works for the New York Times and even maybe the New York Times, you know, psychology page because that's that perfectly summarizes who your your unique voice and if you it, Having that intention, the purpose of it, like I said, it's not necessarily to make it happen. It's just to summarize everything through one through three so that you can unify your full creative energy into one point, one bullseye. Those those rings, one through three, those uh, creative field, genre, voice, those are rings in a target, and the intention is the bullseye that you can – you can't um, – I keep thinking about how – cornhole. Like if you want to get really good at cornhole, that's our Midwest game where you throw a beanbag, a beanbag toss onto a board. You don't throw four beanbags at the same time. You can't aim like that. You got to take one and you got to have a central point. You got to keep your eye on the prize. That's what the intention does for you. Set an intention, that's that's step four. Step five is have a project that mirrors your intention. You take that intention and you pretend like it's a brief that you've been given. So if you want to do a thing for, uh, let's say I want to do a, if I was going to do New York Times, you know, big full page spread illustration plus like 10 spot illustrations about ADHD and it's about mental health. I would just take that project and I would just make it myself. I would make a zine. I'd make a newspaper. Uh, You know, there's Newspaper Club. They used to be a sponsor. You can go actually just make your own newspaper. That's a freebie for you, Newspaper Club, because I love you guys so much. Uh, You make beautiful products. Uh, Go. I would go make a newspaper, a a one-off or a you know a ten run print of this newspaper and it's all about adhd and i would write the articles myself or i'd get my friends that are adhd to write the articles and i'd illustrate the whole thing and i'd send it to the new york times i'd send it to the washington post i'd send it to psychology today i'd send it to this huge list but i'd make my own project as if i got hired to do that intention before i ever did this is what abby Jacobson and alana glazer did with their web series they were sick they weren't getting picked for any roles that they wanted, and they decided to write their own role. What what would the Comedy Central show that they want to get cast in be and just make that show themselves? So this is this is it's all about step five. It's all leading up to there. And then once you've figured out the constraints and you've built that thing, you started working on that project, then you gotta get it out there in the world. That's step six, you gotta find a back door. You can't just go to your favorite band and say, I wanna make poster for you, but what I would suggest doing is strategically finding, what is your band's favorite band? Usually, the comedian's comedian, the filmmaker's filmmaker, they're people that are less known but more respected. And if they're less known, that means it's not a bottleneck. It means that uh, it's not a super long line. And part of the work of, and that's what's beautiful about this project, this process, by the way, I've said this before, I just want to say it again. This process is not something I've made up. You're going to find bits and pieces of this process in other books and other places, but And you're going to see it over and over. And the people we have on the show and the people out there consistently thriving as creatives that have learned to pick themselves and and put this process into play, most of them on an intuitive level because they don't even realize there's a pattern here. But – what happens is the reason the part of the reason this process is so helpful for me is that it's sequential it's not just oh here's a bunch of good ideas it's them put into a life cycle into a sequence and they build on each other so step 6 it works best when you're doing it as the sixth thing because Everything you did through steps one through five give you insider knowledge about a creative field. When you go to a creative field and you figure out the genre, you figure out your voice, you figure out your intention, you figure out your project, you're going to learn so much specialty information. It will help you find a back door into that creative field because if you're going to go storm the castle of Ganon, you don't want to knock on the front door. Those freaking guardians are going to toast you. That's for my Breath of the Wild people. Zelda it's a switch game if you don't know just forget it it's just think about it like a castle don't get all bogged down oh he's talking about Zelda again I'm confused shut up you don't have to know Zelda to understand you ever heard of a damn castle all right sorry um but you don't go f- knocking on the front door. you got to find the secret passageway. you got to find the exhaust port on the Death Star, right? You don't want to get sucked in the tractor beam by the gatekeepers. They're there to keep you out. Bands that are your favorite bands that are huge, guess what? They have lots of lines of defense to keep you out. Managers, publicists record labels. They, they have to do this because there's just too many people in line trying to work with them. But if you get on their radar from a back door, if you make a huge list, make 30, 50 bands that you love, or you go find out who's, the, who's your band's favorite bands, maybe they're lesser known, maybe their email's even published on the website, you approach them with this personal project. And guess what? This personal project was perfectly tailored for their tastes. It's your secret weapon. It's the perfect weapon you forged with this dragon in mind. And you're armed to go through that back door and slay that dragon. Go find your favorite band's favorite band and approach that. Maybe if you can't, if that doesn't work, go find your favorite band's favorite band's favorite band. Last thing you got to do, once you've done all that, if you've really exhausted steps one through six, you're going to get so much data. It doesn't matter how much you failed, because ultimately you are going to make the progress of crossing something off your list. There was a time and place where I thought I was going to make illustrated book covers for fictional books. I never told this story. I was talking to a class recently on Skype. and I told um, the I realized I'd never been completely vulnerable about this story. I'm going to give it in the full vulnerability for full effect. So one of these creative career path uh, quests that I went on, one of these projects was I created illustrated new covers for book covers from the public domain. And uh, I did a new one. I did a new and I screen printed them into posters. That was kind of the unique thing about it. Lots of people, a lot of illustrators do new book covers you know at art school this is like a common assignment read do a new cover for Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz or whatever what was different about my project was we screen printed them into posters and the posters were pretty cool um but I did one for Moby Dick. I did one for Alice in Wonderland. I did one for Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, and I did one for uh, Wizard of Oz. I don't know if I said them all, if I repeated, but uh, whatever. Um. Anyway, I did a bunch of them. Did four of them at least, and I was planning on doing ten of them. But what ended up happening is, throughout the process of making this, I was posting them online, and someone said, "Hey, did you like Moby Dick? Did you enjoy that book?" And they were just—it was just a normal question. And that's when it hit me. I was like, I didn't read the book. (laughs) I'm such an idiot, man. This was 2013. I'm so much smarter now. I can make fun of myself from 2013. I didn't read any of the books. Why? Because I don't read fiction. I don't love reading fiction. I read it on vacation sometimes. But uh, I'm a slow reader, and it's just not my thing. But I didn't realize that it's not my thing until I was halfway through this project, the way that I got this information, the way that I, the way that Superman finds his powers is out there trying to save the world. I'm not calling myself Superman. I'm just super nonfiction reading Andy. But it took me four of those posters to realize this is a terrible fit. I'm not going to be making, uh, hey, if you want to hire me to make a, a, a book cover for your sci-fi or fantasy novel I'm open to it. I'd love to give it a whack, but I'm not going to spend my creative energies there because it's, it's not that great of a direction for me. And although that was kind of a bust, guess what? I made progress because I crossed that off my list. Every year before that, I thought, oh man, wouldn't it be so awesome to be one of those illustrators making book covers for fiction? Like it's so glamorous, so cool. And it caused all kinds of FOMO. It caused all kinds of maybe energy that distracted me. But once I'd done that project, I crossed it off the list. And it's the Thomas Edison thing of, uh, you know, isn't it discouraging? It took you a thousand tries to invent the, you know, household light bulb. And he's like, no, those were a thousand ways that didn't work. And every single way was another step on that ladder to finding the thing that did work. Every single one that goes wrong is progress. And so the last thing you got to do is reinvent you got to reinvent yourself over and over that's why it's a life cycle that's if you think about these seven steps think about them in a circle okay because it goes seven leads to one all do it all over again you're going to be doing this over and over no matter how successful you are it's your job to chart the path it's your job to tell us what the new thing is going to be it's your job not to sit and wait for opportunities but for using your own creative energy to say yes to the next thing that the world has never seen And reinvention, I called it pivoting in the Creative Career Path Handbook. And the idea here is you look over what went, what went right and what went wrong. You start from uh, step six and you move backwards. You say, step six, did I find the right back door? Yeah, I did find that. Okay, well, did I make the right project? And if you said no, you could go back to step five and just do a totally new project. Um, If you go back, oh, my intention was wrong. I thought this was the benchmark for that genre, but I was wrong. It's actually this thing. The further I got down that path, I realized that the thing I was shooting for wasn't the right thing. Or step three, you realize, Oh, I wasn't I didn't actually play into my true unique selling point as a creative person. I didn't really find my voice. I actually realized there's a bunch of people, there's already a bunch of mages in this genre. Or maybe you maybe you you go back further and you say, Oh, I picked the wrong genre. I don't actually want to do book covers in the creative field of illustration. Or like me, there have been times where I've reinvented to the point of changing my creative field in my projects. This podcast was a creative career path quest. It was a creative career path personal project where I wanted to shift to the creative field of public speaking and podcasting and diversify what I do into a totally different creative field. That's the reinvention. And uh, you do it all over again. Sometimes you, got, you don't have to go back to step one. Sometimes you can go to step four and, and, and do it all over again. But no matter where you are, if you're living, if you're breathing you've got another reinvention in you. You know, Lorne Michaels talks about how uh, comparing Chevy Chase to Steve Martin, and Steve Martin had uh, a a longer, uh, thriving career that was more fulfilling because he continually reinvented himself. We don't think of Steve Martin as a stand-up comic, but there was a time where he changed the stand-up comedy world, and he was just a stand-up comic, and and everyone thought that's what he'd be forever. Nobody knew that he was going to make cheaper by the dozen and be a household name that way um, I don't know if that's the thing he's most proud of but I like Steve Martin Chevy Chase you know he, he didn't reinvent himself and that was Lorne Michaels criticism not mine if you're hearing this Chevy I love you um, he, Chevy is actually freaking amazing in terms of uh, physical comedy it can't be beat anyway Anyway, you gotta reinvent yourself. It's a, it's a never-ending life cycle. That's the creative career path. Let's go over it real quick. Creative field, step one, creative field. Step two, genre. Step three, voice. Step four, intention. Step five, project. Step six, backdoor. Step seven, reinvent yourself. Here's, the, here's what I'm gonna challenge you with. Find your mall map. Which one of these are you stuck on now? Start making work to answer those questions and then start noticing. When you're seeing these patterns in other creatives, when we did the Abby Jacobson thing uh, interview last week, I went through every single one of these steps. I'd love to have Billy Eichner on one day because he went through these steps verbatim. Like you, I want you to, I want you to internalize and memorize this process to, to the degree that you can spot it and start sending me the people Be like, yo, check it out. This, this artist did the creative career path. so uh, i want to end this episode with a testimonial that i got to me from jordan peterson who's an illustrator and it's amazing he really thoroughly did every single one of the seven steps and had an incredible result huge results from his big push with this projects and i want you to hear it it's freaking awesome um but before we get to that just three things first thing you can get the creative career path handbook and work through this stuff by going to creativepeptalk.etsy.com you can get the the physical book or the ebook uh, you can work through this in a class on skillshare skillshare.com/creativepep for 2 free months and you can get started on the class and go through it lesson by lesson step by step and i wanted to give you a heads up on wednesday Uh, We are going to be doing an Ask Dr. Pizza live episode. We tested it on Instagram. It's going to be through Instagram live. So at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, go on Wednesday the 11th, and we will be asking questions. Or no, (laughs) you'll be asking questions. Call 740 936 7590, and you will be patched in to me, and I'll be answering your questions in real time live. And then we're going to take that episode and we're going to turn it into an episode of the podcast, a live episode of the podcast of Ask Dr. Pizza. Super, super pumped about it. The number is 740 It'll also be available. You'll see it on screen on my Instagram at Andy J Pizza this coming wednesday tomorrow if you're listening to this the day that came out on march 11th at 11 a.m okay here's a little testimonial from the creative career path side project process from jordan peterson here it is thank you so much for sending this in man it freaking made my week and you crushed it you embodied every single principle so perfectly and the results prove it here he is jordan peterson
1: Um, My name is Jordan Peterson. Uh, I recently had a breakthrough in my creative career by using Andy's creative side quest tips. So I wanted to take some time to A, thank Andy for being so generous with the strategies and ideas he has found through sweating it out over the course of his career. And B, to encourage other people who might be struggling to find a way forward to put some energy into what he says. Because if you do, I bet my right eye you'll soon reap the fruit of it. I did, and I want to take a little time to tell you about how. One of the goals I set for myself at the beginning of this year was to break into the editorial market. I have always felt like editorial illustration was a perfect fit for me and finally decided to do something about getting it. As finding a way in is always the most daunting part of this process, looking for the back door was where I felt I should start. I wanted to find a market that was both authentic to me and had the shortest line of people looking to get work and found that intersection in rock climbing magazines. I love climbing. It's something that I never get tired of doing or talking about and knowing the culture of it through and through makes it a natural wellspring of creativity for me. So since I had found the what, I needed to find the where. I spent a day or two researching and making a list of all the climbing magazines I could find. To help increase the odds of my success, I also cast the net out a little further to other outdoor sport and adventure magazines since the subject matter shares a ton of overlap. From there, I spent another day grinding through the torturous process of finding the right names and emails of the art directors and editors to submit to. I honestly never imagined that wanting to draw for a living would require me to learn the skill set of a private detective, but I I guess it beats the alternative. Um, once I, once I had all that squared away, it was just time to make the work. Um, I knew I needed to take Andy's advice by making the editors do as little guesswork as possible when it came to seeing how my illustrations would fit in their magazine. So I spent some more time researching what types of articles these magazines commissioned illustrations for. I found that, um... The illustrated articles from these places were generally opinion pieces columns and articles on how to train So I brainstormed what I thought would be interesting topics to read about along those lines and then made a portfolio based on those themes Um, The only thing that was left from there was to submit the work I emailed everyone on my list on a Friday morning and I received some really positive feedback from about 40% of them that day and by the next Monday morning, I had landed three commissions with talk of more to follow in the coming months. I mean, I was I was so flippin stoked. I, I just I can't even explain it. Um, I, I just I can't emphasize enough that I could not have done this if I had never found Andy's podcast. Every single accomplishment and little breakthrough that I found along the path of my budding career has been because of ideas I learned and implemented from him. Um, it obviously didn't happen overnight. I spent a long time trying to hone my craft, getting rejected and failing. But uh, yeah, I've been able to successfully learn from all those failures thanks to the great pizza mystic and his sage wisdom. Andy, thank you. I love you, man. Um, you can find my work on Instagram at jordankpeterson underscore. That's Peterson with an o In Get it right or pay the price. Um, anyway, <laughs> thanks again, Andy. Uh, over and
0: out all right that's it thanks again jordan that's amazing you're amazing thank you for being such a great example of the power of the creative career path and the the principles in this uh, framework so appreciate you don't forget instagram live tomorrow at 11 a.m eastern time you can call in and ask your questions live thank you so much for tuning in this week thanks to yoni wolf and the band y for our theme music thanks to alex sug for our soundtrack thanks to chris graham mastering for audio assistance and production thanks all of you for tuning in every single week we appreciate you we love you and until we speak again stay pepped up